Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 427. Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas has finally been able to set sail from the New York City area, sailing from Cape Liberty in Bayonne, New Jersey. And this week, we've got a listener review of Oasis of the Seas out of New Jersey, all about what it's like to cruise on one of the biggest cruise ships in the world from the Northeast. Here we go. Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas is able to finally restart cruises out of New Jersey. Say finally, because the original plan was for Oasis to sail out of the Northeast back in 2020. We all know what happened there. But nonetheless, an abbreviated cruise season was able to resume here this year. And a lot of people are very excited for that option to finally have a big, big ship, one of the biggest ships in the world, quite frankly, over in the Northeast in the New York City area. And joining me on today's episode is somebody who finally got a chance to try that out for herself. It is Rebecca Winterberger back on the Royal Green Blog podcast. Rebecca, good to have you back. Thanks, Matt. I'm glad to be here and glad to be sailing again. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more with the uh, that last statement you just said. Um, let me ask you this. This particular cruise you went on, Waste of the Seas, seven-night cruise. Did Was this something you booked this year? Like, ooh, there's new cruise options? Or was it something you had booked uh, way back when? Oh, no. This was originally a 2020 cruise uh, that obviously did not happen. And so for a handful of reasons, it did not happen, not just the worldwide pandemic, but uh, we were actually taking all of the family with us. And uh, when we initially booked it back in early 2019, I believe it was, um, we were all going to go in 2020. And then our youngest daughter ended up getting pregnant and not able to go. So we moved the family cruise to 2021, mm. but my husband and I were still going to go in 2020, which obviously that's what didn't happen due to the pandemic. <laughs> You're right. Okay. That makes sense. So it just worked. I guess things kind of worked out at least in your favor to be able to make this one happen. And yep. uh, which, which sailing were you on exactly? Which, uh, what date was your departure? So we left the fourth or the, excuse me, the third of October, Sunday, the third. Okay. And remind our audience, was this something where that you drove to flew to? Yep, this is that's actually why we um, we booked it is we were able to drive. We're we're in the Baltimore area, and uh, it's a lot easier to take the whole family on a cruise when you can drive there oh, yes. rather than having to fly them down to Florida. Isn't it so nice that you can just you know you don't have to worry about you know how many bags you're packing. You just put it in the car. Whatever can fit in there is fine with us, right? Exactly. Yeah, that was the best part. I mean, it's a three hour drive, give or take, for us from Baltimore to to the New York, New Jersey metro area. But like you said, you just load up the car and hop in and drive and you're there. And it's no, there's no weight limit. There's no number of items. There's no, the limitations are yours alone. Yep. It's, it's really, really nice. So uh, what kind of, uh, well, before we get there, hang on a second. How was the check-in process? You know, everything with, with cruises being back, uh, this is our first time talking about cruising out of Bayonne as well this year. So what was the experience like for you uh, there? Any, any hiccups or was it pretty much smooth sailing? Oh, it was it was probably one of the easiest I've had. Uh, we we got there. We had an eleven thirty check in, and we did have with us um, our grandkids, th three of whom are un are unvaccinated and under the age of twelve. So we all had an eleven thirty check in. The adults and the vaccinated older kids went one route, and were able to just walk in at eleven at the eleven thirty time. Uh, you know, go through through security and you know you get there you show your passport you show your vaccination card you show your test results and they get you your little welcome back bracelet and hand you 
what you need, and off you go to the ship. Um, for the for the littles, as we like to call them, <laughs> um, they and their parents went through a different line and a different entrance. Very similar process, but they had to, which I know you recently talked about with your kids, they had to get tested there at the port. And it's about a, probably about a 40, 45 minute at minimum um, delay between the time they got the test and the first set of test results got got back. I would say they were all on board within an hour and we just waited on the uh, on the Royal Promenade for them until they came on board. Yeah, uh, you you pretty much nailed my experience there with that. So I'm glad to hear that. I actually have a quick question on that. The every time I've ever cruised out of Bayonne, it's a beautiful port. The problem is there's always a backup on that road when you come into the terminal. Like there's just traffic. They just haven't quite figured that out. With limited capacity, were you able to just literally drive in and no backup on that small little road leading up to the terminal? No backup whatsoever. Now we we were coming. We had driven up the night before, and there were a total of. 12 of us on this sailing. So we had two with all of us and all of our luggage, we had two um, vans or basically mini buses that I had personally set up to get us to and from the port day we got there and day we got back. And we literally just drove up. The porters were there. They grabbed all our luggage and we basically as soon as we had our personal selves ready to go, we were able to walk right over. And the thing I can tell you is, and everybody's saying it, but it's honestly true. Do not arrive early. We were in 1130 check-in. We got there and we were walking in just at about 1135. And there were a ton of people just hanging around outside waiting for their 12 or 1230 check-in. But with this limited capacity, and we were only at like 30%, uh, we, there was no backup on that road whatsoever. I'm glad to hear that uh, about the no backup. And I agree hundred percent with what you said there, but don't showing up too early people. I, I don't know if it's ignorance, if it is people thinking they can still get in or what, I don't know, whatever the excuse is, but don't do it. Uh, you're just wasting your time and standing outside just is not fun. So yeah. Um, right. Well, well said. Where did you, uh, where did you stay the night before? Always looking for good hotel recommendations. So we stayed at the, um, the embassy suites at Newark airport off international drive. Yep. And, I'll tell you, it was not my best hotel experience. Um, we had some challenges. Uh, I had luckily, we had enough rooms in our group that I had done a personal contract for multiple rooms with the hotel. And let's just say when I got there, we didn't have any rooms, but they did work on getting us rooms after about an hour's wait, some snafus. And uh, it was it was kind of a mess. But I will say the staff at that hotel is amazing. Well, I'm glad it all's well that ends well, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the rooms yeah. themselves, once you got into them, were fine. That's like the most important question, right? Well, not completely. We had a bunch of rooms that had no air conditioning. Uh, and when you can't open a window, yeah. it's hot and stuffy. But it worked out in the end. Like I said, the the the, the staff in that hotel took really good care of us, okay. considering it, none of this was our fault. Fair enough. Fair enough. So which cabin did you book for your Oasis of the Seas cruise? So my husband and I were in a junior suite. We had a, we had a myriad of cabin types in our group most of which were just uh just balconies uh just you know ocean view balconies we had i think four of those like i said my husband and i were in a junior suite and probably the best room on the on the on our group on the ship um my oldest our oldest daughter and her kids 
We're in one of the large ocean view rooms. They're all uh, forward on deck 11, basically right under the captain's cabin. And the room has bunk beds. It's got a bed, a regular bed, and it's got a pull-out couch. And there were four of them in that room. And they had so much space. It Good. was phenomenal. Heck, they could have probably slept somebody in the walk-in closet they were they had in their room, too. <laughs> and it's a regular ocean view room, so you're not paying. And I mean, it's a little more than a standard room but because it's bigger, but they're not paying the extra large premium to fit those the four of them in one room. Yeah, we've uh, we when we had our kids that were much younger, uh, we often joked that we would put one of them like we, when we had cribs, we'd put them in the walk-in closet, and it, it's just I never had like the the nerve to do it. <laughs> just it felt like a right. little like just a little too much. Like eh, I'm not sure this is like a great idea, but there certainly right. is enough room for it. I agree 100. percent Some of those walk-in closets are really massive. Right. Our our youngest granddaughter was like. She was on the bottom bunk of the bunk beds, and there was one night she was like, "Can I just go? Can I go hang out in in the closet?" And it was just funny, you know. Yeah. Kids are kids are entertaining and fun. She slept in the bunk beds, but you know, Good. she's an adventurer. She she'll try anything. So, had you been on Oasis of the Seas before, and more specifically since her refurbishment? We had been on her twice before, once in 2010 and once in 2014, but this was our first time on her since her refurbishment. Okay, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the amplification because I think what they did with Oasis with the upgrades uh, across the board is just tremendous. It might be one of the best. I, I think Freedoms is now better, but I mean, it's still, they're neck and neck. They're excellent. I love the changes they did on Oasis. What did you think about that? Oh, we loved it too. It was it was like they, they really took the learnings from the Oasis and Allure and applied them to Harmony, which we had been on once before as well. And then they took those learnings and applied them back to Oasis to make her even better. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I loved having that Playmakers yes. on the uh, on the boardwalk, though I have to admit, I missed my guac from the Allure. Yeah. But you know, I'll take I'll take Playmakers. It was it was great. And of course the kids loved the big slide at the back. And sure. Yeah, it was. I thought it would. They did a really, really nice job when they redid her. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the the shows on there. Aqua Eighties, I think, is the best aqua theater show that I have seen. Granted, uh, you know, being a child of that era, it does help that it's the music that I know more so than other yeah. decades. So that was nice. But I mean, it's a really fun show. You know, I, I love the the dining changes on there. Portside Barbecue. Did you get a chance to eat there? We did. We did. It was, and I'm a, I'm a big barbecue fan and it was, it was good. I won't say it was the best barbecue I had, I've ever sure. had, but it was definitely good. And they, they had entertainment in Portside barbecue uh, every afternoon. So we actually went over there and we listened to the, to the musician and it was, we had a good time. Fantastic. So your cruise went to three ports, Port Canaveral, Perfect Day, Coco Key and Nassau. Uh, did yep. you get off? Uh, let's let's leave perfect date for the end here. Did you get off the ship in either Port Canaveral or Nassau? So we got off in all of them in different or all ports in different ways. So when we got into Port Canaveral, you actually don't coming from New, from Bayonne, you don't get in until 2 p.m. and you're only there until 8 p.m. So what we ended up doing is we hopped a couple Ubers down to the Ron John surf shop in Cocoa Beach and we did a little bit of shopping. Uh, That's a port where the kids that are unvaccinated are allowed off the ship at this point without a cruise sponsored um, tour. So we were able to get off. Yep. 
Yep, because you're in the U.S., they can get off. So we hopped a couple Ubers, went down, did some shopping. Uh, the one thing we did is we talked to our room stewards and our uh, main dining room waiter and assistant waiter. And we know that while they're in the middle of their contract, they are not allowed off the ship. Mm. Uh, so we asked them if there was any personal items we were going to. We had all forgotten a couple things. So we were going to go over to like a CVS or a Walgreens, both of which are right across the street from Ron John's. So we went in and we picked up a couple things for our room steward and for our waiter and our assistant waiter. And just because they, they, they have limited options, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's silly things. It's, it's things we probably all take for granted, but razors or shampoo or things that if you, they can get them on board, but they're way more expensive. So we just picked that stuff up and then we Ubered back. A friend of mine lives in Orlando. So we had dinner with him at grills. Grills is the restaurant right behind where the ship docks in uh in port canaveral so we and then we just walked back to the ship we were on by probably 7 seven fifteen. yeah there's a couple of restaurants port canaveral is always a struggle for a lot of people there, i mean there's there's the kennedy space center and then it's just kind of like it drops off i mean there's Cocoa beach which you can go to which is fine but if you're going to the bahamas it's kind of like well why would i go to the beach there if i can go to the beach in the bahamas later on right so you know you have orlando as an option as well but there are the i wanted the point i'm trying to make is you have that you mentioned grills there's two other great restaurants right behind there as well. Fish Lips is another traditional one. Fish Lips and Grills are right next to each other. And there's a really good one called, I believe it's called Rising Tide, ironically enough, because it's the same name of the bar on Oasis class ships. Uh, that is, if you're facing, if you're standing in front of Grills, it's to your back. So it's not on the water, but it's it's a really nice, it's a new restaurant and they have some great food and beer selection. So if you're looking for something a little different out of lunch somewhere, you know, it's like, I just want to get off the ship for a little bit. That might be a good spot for you as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's always a interesting one there. So what about Nassau? What'd you do there? Um, so we, we split up there. Oh, backing up the one thing, just so people understand, we had considered NASA and Kennedy Space Center when we were going into Port Canaveral, but because we don't get in until two o'clock, you really don't get enough time to see everything. Right. So that's why we changed that plan. Yep. And that's something, by the way, for anybody who's thinking about, this is a really common question. I'm going to Port Canaveral. I want to go to Disney World. Is that a good idea? And I tell people it's not. I mean, your schedule, obviously, you're just, you don't have enough time. You're going to be behind the eight ball with crowds and lines. It just doesn't make any sense, especially the commute time right. back and forth. But even if your cruise ship gets in at 9 a.m., that's still, it, it doesn't work out. Just don't do it. Yeah. You're wasting your money. But anyway, back to your story. Yeah. If you want to go to Disney, plan a trip to Disney. There you go. <laughs> um, but so in Nassau, like I said, we we kind of split up. The, li the Littles were not allowed off the cruise ship without a cruise-sponsored tour. So we can we they split up. One group went and did a swim with the dolphins experience through the cruise line and they loved it. Uh it was at Blue Lagoon Island, I believe. Oh yeah, and been there. then and then another group did the semi-submarine tour. Hmm. Um it was it was interesting, but our youngest grandson is four and he found it it didn't quite keep his interest, we'll hmm. just say. It was cool to him, but it, you know he got a little bored as it went on, and it wasn't a long tour. So um, they came back, they got you know left, they put the kids on the ship, and then got off and walked around a little bit. Um, in the meantime, there were some of us, all of whom were vaccinated, and we booked a private walking history and food tour of Nassau, which was really cool because we've been to Nassau. You know, it's it's one of those places you end up going when you do the Eastern Caribbean. Almost every cruise stops there. So we've been there three, four, five, six times. And my husband and I almost didn't get off the ship there. 
But when we found this food tour, we've done them in a couple other places. And it was just really neat because you learn a lot. You get to eat some good food. You experience foods you haven't necessarily had before. So it was a neat experience. Absolutely. It's always nice to be able to kind of mix it up a little bit when you're in one of these ports. And uh, I, I'm I'm glad that everyone kind of did their own thing. And, you know, that, you know, the kids were able to do one thing and you yeah. did your own thing. And it's just it's nice to be able to mix that up a little bit. Um, can you just share with your listeners if anyone's interested just to save us some emails here? <laughs> How did you find the private tour? So I Googled it. I, I knew we had done f- walking food tours in the past. So I literally Googled Nassau walking food tour and the company came up. And I clicked on there like there were a couple of them that came up and I just chose the one that I uh, I was interested in and booked it. Nice. Fantastic. There, there, there was one available through the cruise line, but we decided we found that sometimes those are better. It ended up being just our group. There were four of us total and our tour guide. So it was nice. It was small. It was intimate. We got to kind of ask questions, you know, st- yeah. stay where we wanted a little longer and adjust it to our needs, which was nice. Tell us about your experience at Perfect Day at Coco Key. So this was our first time at Coco Key. Uh, we've been to Labadee many times, but we'd never been to Coco Key before. And I'll just say it was the perfect day. Mm. That being said, we did splurge. We did book the floating cabana, and I couldn't have asked for a better experience. It, our our cabana stewards were great. We were we were Cabana 17, so we were out at the end with a, a completely unobstructed view, and it was phenomenal. I I love the Cocoa Beach Club. The cabanas are they're expensive. You're paying sixteen hundred dollars easily for yep. them in most cases. But I'm telling, while that is a lot of money, it is truly an amazing experience. I think that first of all, the lunch alone is worth the cost in many cases for the beach oh, club. God, if you yes. ask me, um, I love the food there, and then it's just the ambiance, the the way they do it, it's not like you can sit here. We can tell you that there's one thing that is worth all that. Like it's you're splurging. Like like Rebecca said, it's not. This isn't a cost analysis perspective of like you know here's your ROI. On you no, know, it's just a way to kind of have fun. This is like you know you're on vacation, family vacation. You got to do it up big. It's nice people to do those kind of things. But I really love the beach club. They just have such great service there, and they have great service everywhere. But you know what I mean? It's just there's just a little all those little extras. They all add up. Exactly. Yeah. We. And I have to agree with you 100%. You've said it and multiple other people have said it. That filet at Cocoa Beach Club is the best filet I've had anywhere in Royal Caribbean. Isn't it? It's amazing. God. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I've said this story on the podcast. I cut out red meat a couple of years ago for cholesterol reasons. So I, don't, I rarely eat red meat. And the only meat I eat is like turkey or chicken. And even that's kind of, you know, fleeting. When I go to the Cocoa Beach Club, I order the steak. It is worth the cholesterol. <laughs> that is like yeah. just so good. And, and as good as the lobster was, I think the filet was better. Mm, there you go. So, all right, we got the, that taken care of. Uh, back on board, Oasis of the Seas. Any other things that stood out to you? We talked about Aqua 80s a little bit. We talked about the Portside Barbecue. Did you try other specialty restaurants? Were there any activities? The, the uh, Spotlight Karaoke? What kind of what, what kind of grabbed your attention while you were on board? So we did um, the vaccinated adults the last night we did Izumi Hibachi. Obviously, that's a vaccinated only zone. So we we went with the little kids to uh, the main dining room. We had a 530 dinner time and then they were dropped off at Adventure Ocean. We went and as always, Izumi Hibachi is amazing. 
we had a great server. We had great food. We had a really good time. It was, it was overall a wonderful experience. Um, I will say that, you know, this, so for our, for our grandkids, the, the younger ones, this was most of them, it was their first cruise. And I will tell you that we could not keep them out of Adventure Ocean. <laughs> the nice thing about the 30% capacity, along with the limited uh, capacity in Adventure Ocean, is they pretty much could get in whenever they wanted. Good. And it, they, they wanted. They wanted to be there as much as possible, which was phenomenal. That's Rebecca, it's like my kids now ask me every time we book a cruise, you know, um, which we're going on a cruise in, you know, six weeks. Oh, cool. Is it Oasis? And the reason yeah. that's that's code for my kids. They're asking, is it the new Adventure Ocean? That's the new upgraded Adventure Ocean they have on there. And my kid, your my kids can't it can't keep them out of there as well. They love going in there. It is just they they've really, like you said earlier, you know, with with the amplification role coming kind of applied all the lessons learned from newer ships since. With the new Adventure Ocean, and I like the, the old Adventure Ocean, but the newer one, they've really, again, upgraded and, and taken to the next level there. And so my kids and your kids are on the same page there. It's just, it's a really, really fun experience. I think, I think the thing I like the most is, you know, we've got multiple ages and they're all allowed to do kind of, you know, if, you, if you're artistic, you can do arts and crafts project. If you're, if you're into video games, they've got those options. You yep. can, every kid can kind of tailor his own experience to some extent. And right. And that, and that, I like that quite a bit because the, with traditional adventure ocean, I do like that there were always curated activities. It wasn't just supervised yeah. uh, kitty corral, right? It was like they were doing things, right. but there were some days where my daughter, my oldest daughter would be like, you know what? I just want to color. Like, I don't really want to play, you know, all these games right. or do the scavenger. I just want to kind of hang out and chit chat with my friends while I color. And we would ask the, the, the adventurers and staff, can my daughter do that? And they'd always say, oh yeah, no problem at all. Like, quiet in the corner sure fine no problem at all yeah right but with this with the new adventure ocean there is now that opportunity for kids to partake in activities but then go back and forth color video games play with the interactive stuff they have over there play with each other do different games read a book um they have a lot of choices and it allows them to go in and out of all of that not commit themselves to one or the other and i really like that yes 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 good um, yeah. And then, so unfortunately, I think the, the one, the one complaint I, I'll say that I had about the whole cruise, and it's not a complaint, it's just a disappointment, is so, as you know, for most of the shows, be it Aqua 80s, be it the ice show, be it Cats, they have less so Cats because it's in the main theater, but they have shows for vaccinated guests and shows for everybody. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if you don't, you know, we got on board. We were early in the day, but we went up to Adventure Ocean to get the kids signed up. We we did, you know, we did things. We made sure our dining reservations were correct because we were originally my time. And with the unvaccinated kids, there is no my time dining concept. Right. It's really traditional. Um, because we did all that, we did not immediately book our entertainment. And even though we had unvaccinated passengers in our group, they were not able to get into all the shows because those slots had been taken by some of the vaccinated passengers. And I say that because the, I think overall there were maybe, I had heard around 200, 250 kids on the boat total. Mm. And they, so they, you know, they didn't get to see the ice show or aqua eighties, which they were disappointed in, but like I said, they were perfectly happy at the same time going to adventure ocean. So it was okay in the end, but it was disappointing that they didn't get to see that stuff. 
Yeah, I can understand that's certainly a challenge. And especially when you are traveling with kids that are unvaccinated. And while I did a cruise recently with, un with unvaccinated kids, that was a three night cruise. And I freely admit, I think a three night cruise is a lot easier to manage. There's less issues than you do with a longer sailing of which, by the way, we've got two of those coming up later this year. So I'll be going through the paces as well there, but I can totally understand where you're coming from there because obviously there are some extra hurdles you have to get over. And in some cases there's just you're, you may be out of luck because of the way that, you know, the way that things fall. So yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, but I think, I mean, it sounds like you understand it, but it is what it is kind of situation. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing I say is, so the biggest difference I noticed between pre COVID and current is there are a lot fewer shows on any given day. So where you used to have, let's say a headliner show at seven and a headliner show at 10. Now they've really in a lot of scenarios combined it into one show at eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Mm. So um, the, the thing I say is, especially if you have, if you want to see the shows and you do have unvaccinated passengers in your group, we were the five thirty dining time, which is early and not ideal, but it allowed a, the kids to go into adventure ocean and enjoy that whole evening, seven, to 10 or seven to midnight if you did the extended time and it allowed the adults to go see some of the shows and not be stuck at dinner during the show. Yeah. I've, I've changed my tune on this. I, if you listen to some old podcast episodes, I was always, I always do late dining and we've recently switched to early dining slash earlier dining. Uh, I say earlier, if we're doing especially restaurants, we'll dine probably closer to six thirty, seven o'clock. But with the kids, the nice thing about five thirty is just what you described there, Rebecca, you're done with dinner. You have a little bit of sliver of time to do something, and then you get to go up to Adventure Ocean, drop the kids off. All the shows are still ahead of you. It stinks getting ready at like, you know, departing the pool deck at like, you know, three, four o'clock. But it, I like having the evening opened up and being able to feel like it's not bedtime after we eat dinner, that kind of situation. So there's pros and cons to everything in life, including <laughs> which dining time is works for you. But I still feel like the the benefits of the early dining outweigh the negatives of it. Uh, even if you are there for the blue plate special, I, I still think it's uh, I, I just like having that whole evening ahead of me and for adventure ocean, it's way better. Uh, and with no wind jammer open, at least I don't know how long that much longer that'll last, but uh, it's, it's a must. It's your only option. You've got to feed the kids once they're going to eat Sorrento's pizza, which they would be perfectly happy with as we all know, but you're right. <laughs> There you go. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it was good. I will also say two other things before we wrap, Matt. Yeah. The first one is going under the Verrazano Narrows in an Oasis-class ship is awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, they say there's 12 feet of clearance, but it looks like as you go under it, there's like 12 inches. So it's impressive. <laughs> nice. And last but not least, this was our first time coming off well, this is our first time cruising out of Bayonne, but getting off the ship with the new um, the new protocols for CBP, it was amazing. We were we got off the ship about eight fifteen. We went downstairs, grabbed our luggage, and the new protocols, at least in Bayonne, are you walk up. There's there's a, a CBP agent standing there with a basically a camera machine. It takes your picture. It validates you. And if it says cleared, you walk out the door. Yep. The and we were probably at our transportation within five minutes of getting off the ship. It's a huge game changer. They have those uh, facial recognition machines now in Port Canaveral and Port Miami. And I remember the first time I did it in Port Miami, it was like the future. I was like, that's it. 
Like, yeah, that's the <laughs> it was so easy. And uh, yeah, that's a huge game changer. Yeah, that was that was awesome. We both my husband and I are have global entry and I always thought that was easy. But this even blew that out of the water. There you go. Well, Rebecca, again, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Yeah, glad to glad to share with anybody. And if people have questions or anything, I'm pop, pop them in the uh, the chat under this. And I will, between Matt and I, I'm sure we can answer them. Thank you. Alrighty, let's answer some Royal Caribbean Cruise questions. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the email inbox that we have here of questions that you or somebody like you has sent in to be answered. And if you want to send me your emails about Royal Caribbean, send them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Lisa. All right, time so at Love Your Podcast and your YouTube channel. I've been binging uh, to study for my first cruise on Harmony of the Seas in June. So excited. I heard someone complain about the bed being very firm on their cruise on Royal Caribbean, and somebody else on Facebook posted they recommended bringing an egg crate mattress. Does Royal Caribbean offer any adjustments to make its bed softer? Thanks in advance for a from a side sleeper. At least thanks for the email. I would admit, though, while I prefer a firm mattress, Royal Caribbean's mattresses are indeed firm. I like them, but obviously one person's firm is another person's uncomfortable. And another person's, you call that firm, right? It's all relative. And you can ask your stateroom attendant for something to make it softer. I do believe, I've never done this personally, but I've read from other folks that they've been able to request and there's not like a lot of them to go around, but you certainly could bring your own topper. You could ask for one. It depends, I guess, how important it is for you. Again, I have generally found the mattresses to be firm, but not like sleeping on a rock. Some people may differ with me on that opinion. I, I don't know that you're right or wrong. Again, it's it's kind of like it's the broccoli situation, right? It's like how many people here love broccoli, how many people here hate broccoli. The consensus is there's gonna be some that love it, some that hate it. it doesn't really mean it's just object. It's not objective. It's subjective. And uh, yeah, so uh, if you are though very sensitive about a firm mattress, or if you're just worried about it, perhaps a top would be a good idea. The other thing you could always do is ask for an extra comforter and maybe stick that underneath the sheets and you could do something along those lines we actually used to do that with our kids when they were younger and they would sleep in the pack and play this is obviously for toddlers but the principle still holds up it makes it a softer bed so there's a couple ways to work around that but hopefully that answers your question there next is an email from sydney who writes hi matt we're booked on explorer this season february 2022 out of san juan puerto rico we're flying to san juan this saturday before we embark mei travel has helped us through the booking process and gave us a couple hotel options through royal caribbean to stay out on, on saturday do you recommend going with these options they seem to be a little further away from the port and I'm worried about how we'll get to the ship. Are there shuttle services or do we need to depend on a taxi? Sydney, thanks for the email. So number one, uh, don't. I, I think one of the biggest things that I try to tell people all the time is don't limit yourself to any hotel with shuttle services. Shuttle services are overrated in this world of Lyft and Uber. Now in San Juan, Lyft and Uber isn't really a thing there. So there is that. But taxis are fine. I think you'll be totally fine. I always stay, and every time we've stayed at a hotel in San Juan before our cruise, at the Sheridan Old San Juan, which is right downtown. The reason we picked that hotel is you can literally walk out of your hotel and you're in Old San Juan. So if you're planning on doing some touristy stuff like walking around, it's great. But if you're saying, well, Matt, I don't really want to do that. We're just going to fly in the night before. We just need a place to stay or we're going to, we want to spend time at the beach. We're not really interested in walking around all that much. Then perhaps uh, a hotel in the Carolina area of, I'd call New San Juan, I guess, would also be good. But regardless of where you stay, Pick a hotel that looks good to you, has the amenities you want, the location you want, whatever, and then just take a taxi. Taxi is the way to go because shuttle services, in my opinion, are completely overrated. Why do I think that? Number one, you're moving on someone else's schedule. Number two, you're limiting your hotel choices now based on who offers a shuttle, which is very few. So that means you may be overpaying for your hotel 
and or you may be lim- picking from a pool of hotels that you don't absolutely love. In my opinion, you're better off getting the best hotel at the best price you can get and then just using taxi in this situation. If you're in cruising from the U.S., then I would just say Lyft or Uber is the way to go. I am just not a big fan of shuttle services at all. I've always been disappointed with them. And at the end of the day, even if they're quote-unquote free, you're still paying for it in another way, either in your time or in paying extra for the hotel. So there's my kind of rant there, Sydney. So that's what I would do. If you're looking for a good hotel recommendation, I have stayed personally at the Sheridan Old San Juan. That's a good one uh, for sure. Next email is coming to us from Amanda. Hi, Matt. Uh, we have a cruise book from Mariner of the Seas to December 28th to January 1st. We're traveling as a fully vaccinated family of three, my husband and myself and 12-year-old daughter. I just have a question about flying home from the ship as a Canadian. I understand at this point we need a PCR test to fly home. How are people getting that test done in time to fly this out the same day we get back to the port? Thanks so much for your amazing blog. My husband, Chris, and I definitely gained a lot of great tips to plan our first real Caribbean cruise. Awesome. Well, Amanda and Chris, thank you for listening and watching, reading, whatever. whatever. Um, I would say that uh, it's actually really easy to get your test done. Basically, when you get on board that ship on Mariner of the Seas on the first day, go to guest services, tell them that you're Canadian and you need a test in order to get back home. They'll schedule one for you for no additional cost on board the ship. That'll make it super simple there, Amanda. Thank you for the email. Our next email is from Ashley, who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm scheduled to go on Navigator this week with my 11-year-old, the 20th of December. I know you're scheduled to go on after that. My question is, today, when I go to book excursions, I notice that all the excursions are for 12 and older. And I noticed that, too, as well, Ashley. Do you have any suggestions on what to do in order to get your two daughters to be able to join you off the ship while in Mexico? Any ideas or help would be greatly appreciated. So, as I mentioned, I have encountered this exact problem. Uh, Navigator of the Seas, which is sailing out of Los Angeles and sailing to Mexico, and this is the first time in over a decade Royal has offered cruises to the Mexican Riviera. There are very, very few options. In fact, one of the ports, I think it's Mazatlan, there are exactly three excursions to choose from, two of which you have to be like an older teenager in order to do, and the third one is, I forget there was an issue with it or it just wasn't that interesting. So there's very limited options. My best option right now, Ashley, is what I've done, but I haven't gotten a response yet back from, is private journeys. Private journeys is Royal Caribbean's private shore excursion option. Uh, Basically, you can book a shore excursion that is customized for just you and your family, and it's through Royal Caribbean. So it satisfies the requirements, but it goes through Royal Caribbean. I sent in a request last week, Ashley, and I have not received a response back as of the recording. That's not unusual. I seem to recall in other situations, it may take him a couple weeks to get back to you, but I get the ball rolling on that. That's really the only option you have because otherwise, unless your daughter gets vaccinated between now and the cruise, don't forget, I know that Pfizer is pretty much on the brink of, if not already gotten approval for kids to get vaccinated. Theoretically, if your kid got vaccinated between now and your cruise fully vaccinated, then they'd be okay to go and that would get you around this particular issue. Of course, there's also the possibility, Ashley, that by the time that we cruise in December, that particular rule may not be in place, but I, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. I would never plan around that. He can't he can't think that way. You gotta think worst case scenario, not best case scenario when it comes to planning a cruise, and I agree on that. So yeah, uh, private journeys is is really the the last tool you have, although you may want to keep an eye on getting your your child vaccinated as that may be an option for you uh you know to again get around that particular rule hopefully when we go on our cruises in december ashley perhaps this rule will not even be in place and we'll be able to get around it but you know you just we don't know what we don't know so uh-huh. thank you for the email there next email is from um, another amanda 
uh, writes, hi, Matt, love your podcast. You actually have my absolute dream job. Question about regarding ships like Quantum and Ovation of the Seas going out of Seattle. These ships have a lot of indoor pool areas and shows due to the cold climate, it's supposed to feel like outdoors. Have you ever, have you heard anything regarding masks in these areas and requirements? It's a good question, actually. When I was on Odyssey of the Seas, which is, has a solarium area, and that area is definitely indoors, there was no mask requirements because the issue with wearing a mask in pool areas is you could get wet. And if you can get wet, masks become useless. And even Royal Caribbean says so, so it's CDC. So long story short, I don't expect there to be any issues with requiring a mask when you're in these pool decks, even though it is an enclosed space, technically. Uh, I think because of the fact that you could get wet, it prevents you from wearing. They may say you could wear it if you'd like to. Obviously, you could do whatever you want in terms of if you want to wear it beyond the, where the protocols require. But uh, I think technically the rule says because you're outdoors and there's a, an aquatic activity where you're, you could get wet, then wearing a mask is not a, a thing. So I'm going to go with that. Again, this is my experience on Odyssey of the Seas where people were in the solarium, including myself, and we were not wearing masks. So I'll just leave it at that. Next up is an email from Andrew. Hi, Matt. Love the show. Thanks for all you do. Keeping us informed in all things Royal Caribbean. I was wondering if you'd experienced or heard from other folks in Florida having experienced increased difficulty scheduling in-person COVID tests. I'm traveling with my family and mother-in-law and have repeatedly told me how she has heard tests in Florida become difficult to get. I'm scheduled to leave in November on a lure that sees out of Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We sit, we fly into Orlando on a Thursday night, Disney on Friday, Saturday, and drive down to the ship for Sunday morning departure. I was planning to do the at-home test for all of us, but recently realized this will not be accepted by Royal Caribbean for two unvaccinated children. That's correct. All the vaccinated adults in our group are still planning to do the at-home test, but now I need to get the kids scheduled an in-person test. I believe you had reported that CVS schedules two weeks out. That's my plan at this time. Do you still recommend this as relatively painless option, or should I be worried? I've also heard you can fork over big bucks for a test at the airport. Can you speak the reliability availability for the airport option? Do you know of any other high-dollar options I could either opt for or have a backup for any last-minute test available to issues? Thanks so much for the info. With kids having a three-day window, I should be able to get tested in Ohio on Thursday morning before we fly out. I just had a calendar alert for two weeks scheduled for CVS. Thanks again. Andrew, thanks for the email. So yeah, I agree. CVS is the way to go. For unvaccinated kids, you can't do the at-home test. So yeah, um, number two, the availability of tests actually gotten a lot better in Florida recently. Uh, we've, uh, we've clearly seen the peak of cases as it relates to the Delta variant over the summer. And it's a little bit easier, but you should still go with that plan you kind of outlined. When it comes to getting a test done, if you're a vaccinated adult, get the at-home test. End of story. It's just the easiest way to go. The other option, if you have unvaccinated kids or for whatever reason, the at-home test is not an option for you. I don't know why it wouldn't be. But regardless, CVS is my go-to option. Uh, CVS allows you to make a reservation, I believe, 13 days in advance. So you figure out the day you want to get your test done, count back 13 days. Then go to CVS's website that morning. I would recommend going in as early in the morning as you can. Schedule the test. This has worked for me every single time. Granted, I live in Orlando. There are a number of CVS locations around me. Not all of them allow you to do this, but enough do that I've been able to get one every single time. That has worked really well. The airport does offer them. That's It's just not going to be probably covered by your insurance. It's going to cost you more. The nice thing about CVS is it's free, by the way. Uh, it, at the airport, it's just it's just going to cost you, which is not a terrible option. And if all else fails, Andrew, uh, the thing I would tell you, your super backup option would be the kind of walk-in urgent care locations. Most of these, if not all of them, do not take advanced reservations. They simply walk in, first come, first serve. So if you were really to get down to the nitty gritty, it's a day before your cruise, and you still don't have the test for the kids yet, then what you got to do is go to a number of these urgent care locations, walk in, wait for them. You might be waiting an hour or two, perhaps at the most. I don't know, maybe not. And you'd be able to get one there. But the urgent cares would be, in my mind, that's always been my super backup option in case that fell through. One more thing I neglected to mention, Walgreens allows you to make reservations 48 hours before you want the test. So CVS is 13 days in advance. 
Walgreens is 48 hours. One more tip for Walgreens, stay up till midnight. And then at midnight exactly, the next day's appointments open up. So there's another tip to get ahead of everybody else there. So thank you, Andrew, for the email. We have time for another email or two over here. We're on a roll here about primarily, it sounds like testing stuff, which is really the nature of the beast right now. Uh, Howard has our next email. Matt, thanks for everything you do for our for us novice cruisers. Without your website and YouTube content, I'd be lost. After having our first family cruise and my first cruise since Sovereign of the Seas in 1997, canceled in March 2020 due to COVID, I finally booked a surprise birthday cruise for my wife's 40th birthday on Independence of the Seas this, this November. I'm planning on purchasing the unlimited drinks package, but I had a question about Playmakers. I know the package works with Playmakers, but does it work if you're not purchasing food? In other words, can we go to a table, just have drinks while we play pool or other games? Yes, you can. Absolutely. The drink package works totally fine there. And Playmakers is just, they, while they do have food, there is primarily a bar. So yeah, almost everybody's doing exactly what you just described there. Howard says, staying with the drinks question, what's the policy regarding drinks to go? I know certain bars have a better beer selection. So can you order a beer, I say the English pub, and then walk around the ship or even go to another bar with that beer? Yes, you can. Yes, actually, that's totally fine. There's no uh, open carry laws like you have on land. And you can absolutely take a drink, grab it to go and go somewhere else. Totally fine. And Howard's last question is, finally, I saw that Playmakers has the plant-based Impossible Burger. Are there any other onboard locations that have the Impossible Burger, preferably one that doesn't cost extra? Howard thinks of the email. Um, the only location that I'm aware of on any Royal Caribbean ship anywhere is Playmakers as Impossible. There are veggie burgers, Howard, at other locations, like you're the main dining room, you know, or, or at Perfect Day Coke or Labadee. They can absolutely get you a veggie burger, but I can't tell you that it's an Impossible Burger. Could you ask the main dining room waiter to possibly grab an impossible patty from him from Playmakers and you know uh, grease the wheels of progress with a with a twenty dollar bill? I mean, you know, I wouldn't put it past them, but uh, I wouldn't expect it. Let's put it that way. But the only location, the only place that I'm aware of, and this I could be out of date on this one, but other than Playmakers, I'm not aware of any other location that offers a impossible brand. Uh, veggie burger. There are other veggie burger types that are usually like Boca burgers or one of those other ones that aren't nearly as good, but they are available elsewhere. So just want to make sure you're clear that there are other vegetarian burger options. But trust me, as someone who eats a lot of impossible meat, I can tell you that there is a major difference between impossible meat and all the other brands, even beyond. It's just night and day difference. So I'm with you on that one, Howard. Thanks for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. You can always send me your emails by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>